0: Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 45 of The Essential X-Lapsed, where I finally feel like I have enough control over my face to do this recording today. Uh, Now, if you've been following this program, or any of the uh, programs here at the channel, you'll know that uh, I've been doing a lot of dental stuff of late, and um, as I record this, it's Wednesday, and Wednesday is usually dentist day for me, so... uh, yeah, I am fresh off a, uh, tr- a triple header here Three fillings on uh, one side of my face And uh, they had to hit me with four shots of Novocaine So this was, uh, it was quite the morning, let me tell you um, And I was hoping to have this uh, recorded before I went to the dentist today But uh, I inadvertently, is that the way you say that word? Inadvertently? I inadvertently triggered the update to Windows 11 on my computer so, um, I was pretty much locked out of doing basically anything for several hours. So it was very, very unfortunate. And by the time it was installing and downloading and all that stuff, uh, I had to leave for the dentist. And if you haven't updated to Windows 11, by the way, um, well, it looks almost exactly the same as Windows 10. Not a whole heck of a lot that's, uh, really different here. Um, maybe I'm just not, uh, appreciating the, uh full breath of the wondrous updates that have been afforded to us here for uh, for free. Anyway, did the dentist thing, came home, couldn't speak without sounding like really, really offensive, so I uh, decided to not <laughs> record right away. And so I said, uh, as soon as I can keep an entire mouthful of water in my mouth, without it you know, dripping down my face and, you know, falling everywhere, then that would be when I was ready to record. And uh, just a few minutes ago, I, I did the experiment. I chugged a bunch of water, kept it in my mouth, and it stayed. So, uh, I think... <laughs> I think we're safe to go. Now, another thing that sucks about having to go to the dentist is, uh, I'm trying to drink a gallon of water every day. I hear it's good for you. I've been, you know, reading about it. It's supposed to be really good for your skin, for your muscle development, stuff like that. So, for the past, like, three weeks or so, I've been having a gallon of water every day, which I had no idea was kind of like taking on a second job. Or a third job. I mean, it's, uh... <laughs> It's a lot that goes into drinking water, it turns out. I never would have thought uh, that it would be so... Not so much time-consuming, but just something I had to keep on my mind all the time. And I always have to have my bottle, like, right next to me. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. So having a numb face not only stopped me from doing the show, but it also stopped me from drinking a lot of water here. I'm still looking at about two-thirds of a gallon, and it's it's getting on <laughs> in the day. So uh, hopefully, hopefully before I go to bed, I'll have this thing polished off. But... Uh, Speaking of polished off, we do have a book to discuss today, and uh, I don't know if I'd say it was a good one, but it's a it's an interesting one. Uh, you know, it's a it's a good one. It is a good one. I'll say that. Um, this is of course X Men number thirty five. It had an August nineteen sixty seven cover date. Story's called "Along Came a Spider." Dot dot dot. Written by Roy Thomas. Pencils Warner Roth. Inks Dan Adkins. Letters Jerry Feldman. Colors I I can't think of anything. Witty, or, you know, my shade of witty, to say about that. Edit, Stan Lee, cover price, 12 cents. Now, we open with Banshee, screaming his way over the mountains of Europe. Which mountains? You know, the ones in Europe. Um, Now, he's hot on the trail of the uh, Dread Factor 3. Now, if you recall, the last time we saw Sean, uh, he was a mind slave of that organization. And here's the thing, he's still wearing the mind-control headband that he wore in that issue. Don't worry, though, there will actually be an explanation for that by the end of the issue. Now, Banshee eventually gets to where he's going, and he starts screaming into a mountain, or ultrasonic probing into a mountain. And this is the way he's able to deduce that one of these mountains, this one in particular, is hollow. Now, as he approaches it, a little doorway opens. He goes to enter, but finds himself attacked by a mechanical spider. I'm sure you can already see where we're going with this. I I did neglect to say that the cover of this one has Spider-Man on it, uh, prominently featured, so um, you probably already know where we're going. Anyway, the robo-spider zaps Sean with a paralyzing ray, which sends him reeling backwards. He begins to plummet, but he's able to recover, thanks to uh, the luck of the Irish. And yeah, he, he actually says that. Um... I tell you, I am of Irish descent I have the 77th most popular Irish surname, of course But I don't know too many people living in Ireland um, Do we mention the luck of the Irish in conversation? Like, is that something that we say often? Uh, is that how we explain away certain situations? Have, have I been derelict in my duties as an Irishman? Well, you tell me Anyway, Sean manages to regain control and fly back to his rented chalet Once inside, he prepares to send a message of warning to the X-Men, because he must warn them about the spider. And, uh, you probably probably see where this is headed, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Let's join the X-Men. They are currently flipping through a room full of filing cabinets. Why? Why not? Angel is off flying around, hoping to figure out where the professor might be. Like, what? I I mean... Okay, let's say that in passing here. That sounds perfectly logical, right? It's like, oh, he's he's out doing recon. But when you stop to think about it, and I'm sure we're not supposed to stop and think about it, let's consider how stupid that sounds. Like, is Warren hoping for an epiphany? Is there anybody out there he can actually ask? Was there a trail of breadcrumbs of some sort leaving the mansion that he's following? No, no, none of that. Uh, I'm guessing he was probably just flying around in circles for an hour to get out of filing duty. Now, Warren does return, and he's got Bubkiss. But he does mention that he saw a flying saucer. Oh, and it might be worth noting, uh, at all times during these early scenes, Beast is holding a screwdriver. And, I mean, that's almost got to be a gag at this point, right? Anyway, exactly one second later, Bobby pipes in, stating that they're receiving an urgent message from Banshee. And it's that whole beware the spider thing. We pop back to the chalet, where Banshee collapses out of exhaustion. And, as luck would have it, Factor Three is right there to collect his KO'd body. We see what might be the leader of Factor Three from behind here. He's giving orders, like he's Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. We don't see his face. We just see, like, the back of his chair and his arm. Now, he orders his men to send one of the recon units to the USA to find out how much the X-Men actually know. Now, we know that they know is somewhere between Diddley and Squat. I mean, they know to be wary of spiders, I mean, that's just common sense, right? I mean, you run into a spider, you either squish it, or if it's too big, you run away and never come back. If it's in your house, you just set it on fire. You know, you you do whatever you can to get away from it. Now, you might not know, but I've had some battles with giant spiders over the uh, past several years. Uh, I live in an area with a lot of new builds. You know, our house was a new build. Both our recent homes were uh, new builds here, so this construction... Going on pretty much constantly. Houses are being put up, uh, foundations being dug out. And so, uh, uh, creepy crawlies tend to emerge from the underworld. Uh, you know, they're they're not wearing diapers like the Mole Man or Tyrannus' uh, soldiers, but they do emerge. And I remember a few years back, I smashed one with a boot, only to have the bitch leap at me afterwards. I, I mean, like, I, I, I could have, sw- this thing was just, I, I hammered. This bitch, And as soon as I lifted it, the thing leapt at me. I must have screamed like, uh, like, like Danshee, probably. I was just beside myself. And, I mean, just thinking about it right now gets, uh, eh, makes my skin crawl. Anyway, let's shift scenes again. We're gonna meet up with Peter Parker, who's decided to take a ride through the countryside on his little motorbike. Now, he's relaxing after a run-in with the Kingpin, which... Oddly enough, doesn't get a footnote We do get a footnote for Spider-Man Like Stan jokes around saying, hey, you know this guy, don't you? But nothing about Kingpin, nothing about what issue to go find to find out about that story Anyway, Pete hops off his bike and walks toward a stream He claims that he's going to do the Thoreau bit for a while So uh, we might assume that he'll refuse to pay his taxes, get tossed in jail for an evening Get bailed out by his aunt, and then be looked at as some sort of cultural icon <clears throat> Sorry, uh, Superman grounded flashback. Those those happen from time to time. Anyway, Pete happens across an abandoned mill and decides to play Suburban Explorer. Just then he notices a flying saucer overhead. And so he pops into the mill to Spidey up and checks out the UFO. From the saucer appears one of them Spider-Bots. Now Spidey makes a like a maybe war related joke before a battle begins to rage. And rage it does. Um, Spidey sure seems to be taking his time with this stupid robot. Like, seriously, it's five pages of him deftly dodging paralyzer bolts and quipping. Uh, Finally, Pete manages to grab the thing by its head and forces it to blast itself. Now, while the fight was going on, back at the mansion, Cerebro started screaming like... a Misi and a Spider, or Banshee, I guess. Now, Beast is still holding a screwdriver, by the way. Anyway, the X-Men jump into the Rolls-Royce and head down to the old mill. There, they're faced with Spider-Man. And, I mean, it's a Marvel comic. There's a misunderstanding. You know the deal. It's fight time. It's fight time. Now, Spidey was not expecting things to go this way, and he even mentions uh, the X-Men tried to rush him into joining their team back in issue number 27. Our heroes, they ain't fit in a chat, though. Now is a time for action. So Angel swoops in and misses. Spidey then webs up Warren's wings and slams him to the ground. Next, it's Beast's turn, and he lunges at Spidey with his screwdriver in it. No, no, no screwdriver. He left it at home. He just leaps at Pete and misses. Spidey goes around back and a swing kicks the barefoot one out through one of the mill's windows and down to the ground. Spidey's future amazing friend then gets in a, like a joust-like position. Like, he's on an ice slide, but he's got an ice lance also pointed at the webhead. And Spidey, like, looks at him... Kind of giggles and then just drops out of Bobby's way And Bobby goes, you know, crashing into the roof Cyclops then threatens to blast Spidey with his cursed eyes If, uh, if Spider-Man doesn't settle down and talk Which, uh, hey, Scott, uh, Spidey wanted to talk He only wanted to talk You guys attacked him Come on, I'm on your side most of the time But I gotta call a spade a spade here Anyway, from here we shift back to Xavier's Where Marvel Girl is waiting by the telegraph machine she mentions how, just as soon as the others left, Cerebro stopped whining. So I guess I won't get the opportunity to uh, joke about Cerebro actually pinging for Spider-Man. Um, hell, at this point, um, Spidey might be the only person in the Marvel Universe who Cerebro won't ping for. She's also happened across some information from Xavier's files. Something having to do with a woman named Maura McTaggart who lived many lives. Oh, wait, no, no, wrong, wrong file, wrong file. This one has to do with Factor 3. Now, uh, Xavier claims to have placed a special crystal, certainly not one of the Shi'ar Logic variety, into Banshee's headband in order to be able to keep in contact with him at any time. And so, Jean gives ringing up Sean a go, and her message bounces off a satellite and shakes the crystal in Sean's headband. Let's go back to the boys here. Spider-Man tells Cyclops that uh, he's been trying to have a conversation since this scene started. It's not his fault the X-Men attacked. And so, with tensions a little bit lower, uh, Cyclops decides to ask Spidey the big question, which is, are you now, or have you ever been, a member of Factor 3? (laughs) Um, Spidey obviously hasn't the first friggin' idea what a Factor 3 is. Uh, The X-Men automatically assume he's lying, and so it's time for round two. Spidey thinks to himself that it's going to take more than five masked mutants to stop him, even though there are only four masked mutants here. Hmm. So it's a one last assault on the webhead, and this time the X-Men come out on top. And I mean, I guess offense tends to be more successful when you're not attacking your foe one at a time. Um, anyway, after some moratory esque tandem offense, Spider-Man winds up in the creek. While he's down, a Marvel girl calls into Scott's Dick Tracy watch to let him know that Cerebro stopped pitching a fit shortly after they'd left. Spidey steps out of the drink and informs the group about the mechanical spider that he fought, And Scott stands there, stroking his chin, going into deep thought, and he suggests that, hmm, maybe that mechanical spider was created by a mutant, and that's why Cerebro pitched a fit. Yeah, sure, why not? Um, Now, the X-Men pretty much just leave Spidey standing here at this point. They hop back into the rolls and just drive back to the school. Uh, Poor Spidey, he's just left standing here like an idiot. Uh, Back at the mansion, Jean has managed to track Banshee And has a big ol' atlas in her lap Trying to deduce their next location The X-Men return shortly And Jean points them to a mountain range In central Europe where Banshee's being held Now Scott suggests that Jean stay behind As he doesn't want her to get hurt But he claims he respects her too much To tell her outright not to come And uh, so Jean's uh, a-comin' On the trip And that, my friends Is where we leave it Next episode, the one and only appearance of Meccano, or Meccano. I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of fun with that name. And I suppose since it is his only appearance, it'll also be a uh, a full-scale fake-ass comics history on uh, the menace of Meccano, or Meccano. But, of course, that's for next time. Uh, for now, let's uh, briefly talk about this issue, which, man, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Um, I often do the... Uh, the artwork for the programs, uh, way, well in advance, just so I have them ready to go, and it, I don't have to spend, you know, several minutes a day doing that on top of everything else. So, uh, as soon as I know what episode number that a, a comic's going to appear in, I, I usually try to get the, uh, I try to get the artwork done so it's just ready to go. So when I set the schedule to go like twenty episodes into the future, I saw that this one was coming, and um, I was probably on episode. Like 35 or so When I saw this one was episode 45 So I was very, very excited to get to it Even though I should have known better (laughs) I mean, it's a It's a Silver Age Marvel comic And, of course, there's going to be a misunderstanding Of course, there's going to be a fight And, of course, it's going to end In a sort of, kind of Unsatisfying way At least, relatively speaking When compared to my initial hopes for it Which, I mean, that's Pretty unfair of me to do, trying to hold something up to absolutely ludicrous expectations I will say it was cool to see Banshee again It was cool to get a little bit more on Factor 3 Now I did check the Marvel Wiki to see if there was any sort of a note about this being referenced in a in an issue of Spider-Man around now Not that we would cover that issue in full unless, you know, it warranted it But I would mention, you know, hey, this got mentioned in such and such issue that isn't an X-Men book, you know And in so doing, I kind of spoiled something for myself. uh, Something that I knew and had long forgotten. But uh, this issue was apparently the first appearance of a character that uh, we will be learning a little bit more about in the not-too-distant future. So if you are following along with the show via the Marvel Wiki, maybe don't for this one, because it's going to give away... um I mean, it's not a big reveal. It's certainly not a big reveal for the day, but it's something that uh, we ex-scholars will uh, certainly know about. Really not a whole heck of a lot more to say about it. I I enjoyed seeing Banshee. I I enjoy that he is still part of the story. It was really cool seeing Spider-Man, since we really don't get to see him very often in these books, except for uh, talking about his exploits on the uh, Bullpen Bulletin. We really just don't see him much at all. I'm trying to think... I'm not sure when the next time we'll see him might be. It, it could be in the first 66 at some point, but uh, I honestly don't remember. If, if it's not then, it's going to be a long, long time before he darkens our doorway again. So it was cool to see him. It was cool to see him interact with the heroes. It was cool to see him fighting the heroes. I guess I could have just done without the, uh, you know, the Three's Company set up to get us there. So that's our story. Let's head into the mutant mailbox here, where we have a bunch of letters. We will start with Dave in California. Now, Dave has advice on how to make the X-Men better. So you ready for this? Um, He suggests making the Beast more gorilla-like. He wants to see him with longer arms, a smaller head, and a bigger mouth, but not the kind of mouth that's full of wisecracks, like a literally bigger mouth. And also make him stronger and keep him intelligent. To make Iceman better, he wants to see him do more... Ice stunts. Things with ice. Uh, hmm? Okay. Marvel Girl. He wants to see her keep her powers in check. He does not want to see her become too good at what she does. And is that, is that patriarchy? I, I don't know. Um, Angel. He wants to see Angel do more flying stunts. Which, isn't that his entire gimmick? I mean, what do you want? Do you want him to deftly dodge even more lasers every issue? Or, or maybe, maybe he can finally avoid flying smack-dab into nets, like every single net he meets. I don't know, it might be a start. Uh, Cyclops is fine the way he is. Okay, um, he wants to see Eunice the Untouchable come back, so I guess we found Eunice's fan. Stan replies by claiming not to remember who Eunice was, even suggesting that maybe Dave mixed up one of his prescriptions with his Marvels, because Eunice sounds like something that you take for, um, I don't know, some sort of a disease. Paul in Massachusetts wants to know why the Juggernaut's so fat. <laughs> he says he looks fatter than Foggy Nelson. I, I don't think so. I mean, he's big, for sure, but he doesn't look, doesn't look fat. He's got a big face. I don't know. He also wants to know if the X-Men's parents know that they're mutants. Now, Stan says that once this Factor 3 story wraps up in, like, 27 years they're going to start adding backup stories to these mags in order to dig deeper into the secret origins of our favorite teenage mutants. He doesn't mention anything about Juggernaut going on a diet, though. Kim in Pennsylvania finds the love affair between Bobby and Zelda to be, quote, absolutely, utterly, and completely thrilling. Well, Kim, (laughs) you don't know the half of it. Uh, She also enjoys the Scott-Jean relationship, Uh, suggests that they should ditch the clumsy X-Copter for individual jet cycles... Which, I mean, I guess there's pros and cons to that, though I don't think they'd look any you know, any less conspicuous all rising out of Xavier's backyard, though. Kim wants to see an X-Men annual. She also wants to know how Marvel Girl ditches college so often without falling behind in her studies. Now, Stan only bothers to answer that last question by saying that the X-Men's adventures only occur on the weekends. Then he claims to have, quote, carefully explained that within the stories themselves, unquote. But I can't remember any such note, though... I could be mistaken, but probably not, because Stan then admits that maybe he just whispered that fact into the janitor's ear one night after hours. So, uh, I guess now we know that these stories take place on the weekend. Bradley pulled out his stationery and licked the stamp in order to say, Marvel sucks. Um, he says some of the recent stories aren't even good enough for brand Ech. He says that both Spider-Man and the X-Men used to be hated and feared, but now they're universally loved. Huh? It, it, hmm. Is this like one of them Berenstein, Berenstain situations? Like, we're in different. We're, like, what books is, is Brad reading? What, what books are you reading there, Bradley? Um, now, he also complains about story compression, claiming that a recent Avengers story should have taken two to three issues to be told, but it was instead crammed into one. So Stan just can't win, <laughs> no matter what he does with uh, story pacing and composition and whatnot. Uh, Brad does enjoy the new Ghost Rider series, though, and that's, of course, the Western one. Now, stately Stan suggests that uh, maybe, just maybe, old Brad exaggerated some of his points there. Accidentally, of course, Stan's not going to call anybody out for being a jerk, but I will. Brad, you're a jerk. Next, author in Jersey. Now, he takes issue with the... Oh, boy. He takes issue with the cover blurb. The very dramatic, Beware the juggernaut, my son, because... You see, Xavier isn't... The juggernaut's son He's his stepbrother uh, Stan explains that this is a literary reference To Lewis Carroll's Beware the Jabberwock, my son He then says to keep a lookout for The cow jumped over the Magneto Jack be nimble, Jack be quicksilver And four and twenty black bolts baked into a pie Which, there you, there you go, there you go, Stan uh, Next up we got Ron in Ontario with his third letter Which he wrote with the express purpose of telling us That he wants an X-Men annual he really, really wants it. Um, now, it's really hard to consider a time where people actually wanted annuals. Personally, I hate them. Uh, they're almost always throwaway stories, and they're damn expensive. You know, they feel like filler, and you're paying the the extra money for them. Just, you know, I liked it when Casada uh, and Jemis came in and kind of did away with the annuals for a bit. And they're like, "Why don't we just put out an extra an issue or two of the of the ongoing instead of?" You know, fleecing people with a with an annual that just doesn't fit anywhere. Of course, Quesada came around to loving the annual and uh, releasing all of them with a number one on the cover after that. But uh, it was nice while it lasted. Anyway, um, Ron is upset that Daredevil's getting an annual before the X-Men because Daredevil, get this, is only Marvel's fifth best book. I wonder how the rest of our Ron's ratings look here. If, uh, if, you're, if you're listening, Ron, I want to know. What, what were you thinking in the summer of 67? And it's a wonder that Stan didn't, like, run with this tagline here. Like, X-Men rated somewhere in the top four uh, Marvel books by Ron in Ontario. That that could work. You never know. Ron then suggests that the X-Men guest star in an annual. And it's like, dude, enough. (laughs) You're not getting it this year. It's okay. He wants Stan to talk about how to make comics in the soapbox section of the Bullpen Bulletin. So I'm sure we'll probably get that before long. He'd like Marvel to up their story page count from 20 to 22, and he would like to see them cut back on ads to do so. And he'd like to see them bring back The Vanisher. And I wonder, like, maybe The Vanisher was like the obscure villain back then who people felt special about remembering. You know, it's like, oh, you think that's obscure? Well, check this out. Vanisher. You know. Because, I mean, he sucked. (laughs) It wasn't a great story. The character ain't great. He's only appeared once, I I don't know. Uh, Ron ends by wishing Stan luck because all the young talent are threatening to take over Marvel, and Stan replies by crying about tripping over his old man beard. Last but certainly not least is a uh, Mark Ivanier of Los Angeles who, well, he doesn't have a letter so much; it's a it's a poem, and I really don't want to read it, uh, but 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 I will. Um. Just pretend I'm Bernard, the, the beat poet, and uh, snaps are appreciated at the, uh, at the end here. And we'll see if I, <laughs> if I can get through this without effing it up too much. Um, <clears throat> all right, so dig this. "'Twas the X-Men and the fight they fought, did goof and go wrong every way. Almighty was the juggernaut, and factor three, who'd A?' "'Beware the juggernaut, my son, the fangs that bite, the arms that whack. "'Beware of factor three and shun the bands of Sidorak. "'Prof kept his mental bolt in mind, long time the monstrous foe he'd fought, "'so dazed by the tremendous bolt of energy he'd caught. "'And as unconscious there he lay, the juggernaut with eyes of flame "'came smashing through the concrete wall and boasted as it came. "'Ew. (laughs) One-two, one-two, and through and through.' The Iceman's blast went drippity dreg, Ew. The beast he feared almost as bad. The angel laid an egg. And hast thou slain the Juggernaut? No, Prof, he left us all for dead. We'll try again in next month's mag. And bush quipped, nuff said. I'm sorry about that. Um, those are our letters. Uh, let's hop over to the Bullpen Bulletins, also known as Awe-inspiring announcements for you to yawn with. Item. Tis the season. It's a king-size summer specials season, actually. We learn absolutely nothing new here. And Stan puts off revealing what the Spidey and FF annuals are going to be about for yet another month. Item! Bud Cavadini of Wisconsin writes in with a tip for how you can save and preserve your marvels. It's basically using scotch tape. I mean, actually, there's no basically about it. He suggests using scotch tape. Um, I wonder if the... Cavadini variants will ever get their due in the Overstreet Guide. You gotta imagine a lot of people ran out and just put Scotch Tape over their covers. Um, Now, uh, Stan thanks Bud for the tip before accusing him of being a Scotch Tape manufacturer. Item. Like it or not, brand ECH is still a thing, and by now the second ISH is already on sale, and Stan cannot wait to get some feedback. Item. Item. Remember that highly scientific informal poll from a few issues back where Stan offered to show us all what Irving Forbush looked like? Well, Stan says the results are in, and at a zillion votes, the frantic ones have spoken. Please never show us what Honest Irv looks like. Item. Another letter. This one's from PFC Bruce Long in Fort Leonard. Now, he writes in with a concern. He is worried that Marvel might be growing too quickly and he fears that might make Marvel only a passing fad. He says to stick with creating the best comics in the world and leave all the TV and merchandising out of it, which prompts one idiot in 2021 with two thumbs currently pointing at himself to say, here, here. Stan says there's something for everyone at Merry Marvel, and if the merch isn't for you, well, they're still putting just as much effort into crafting the best comic stories around. If only the same could be said today. We wrap up with Stan's soapbox Where Stan says he really loves getting everybody's letters But for goodness sake, could you make them shorter? And and there's a little bit of irony here Because he spends a lot of words Asking for people to send him less words And so let me get on Chris's soapbox here for a second And say, um, I'll take any letters Um, you could send me an emoji You could send me a picture of your middle finger (laughs) You could send me a novel I will read and appreciate all of it So, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh Size doesn't matter. <clears throat> On to the mighty Marvel checklist. Brand Ech number two has a Spidey Man versus Nat Man and Rotten. <clears throat> Knock Furious Agent of Sheesh versus Blunder Agents. Ironed Man versus Magnut Robot Biter. So um, I guess we're getting knockoffs of Batman, Robin, the Thunder Agents, and uh, Magnus Robot Fighter, and. uh Fantastic Four number 66, Alicia Masters, Kidnapped Spider-Man 52, Death of a Hero Featuring the Kingpin Avengers 43, Herc and Hawkeye Behind the Bamboo Curtain Which sounds like like a magazine you'd find under your father's bed or something, doesn't it? Uh, Quicksilver also develops a new power, and we get the introduction of the evil Red Guardian Daredevil number 31, Has Daredevil Lose All His Other Senses? Thor, 143, has Balder the Brave and Sif versus the Enchanters. Strange Tales number 160. Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. are joined by Captain America during the Blackout of 65. Now this is referring to a real-world event that took place on November 9th, 1965, in which much of the northeastern United States and parts of Canada were left without power for 13 hours. It affected 30 million people and 80,000 square miles. And at least I'm assuming that this story has to do with that, because, I mean, that is the Blackout of 65. Also in the issue, Doctor Strange, having been defeated by Baron Mordo, must stop the Earth from being destroyed by the Living Tribunal. Suspense number 93 has Iron Man defeated. Also, Captain America rescues S.H.I.E.L.D.'s loveliest agent from AIM, and I'm guessing they're talking about Dum Dum. Astonish 95, Namor and his super submarine versus the Menace from Skull Island. And Hulk, helpless on a lost planet. Sergeant Fury number 45 features a story called The War Lover. Hmm. And finally, you guys know the drill it's a reprint of plenty in the 10th issues of Fantasy Masterpieces, Marvel Tales, and Marvel Collector's Items Classics. Our MMMS box features 26 newbies. Nobody stands out. Now that's our issue, and we do have something in the mailbag, but since my mouth is only uh partially working right now, I'm gonna save that till next time. I'm also hoping to get an episode of uh, of point one recorded at some point today, so I need to speak responsibly, right? Or flat my flap my lips responsibly, I suppose. Um but I do want to get into the shout-outs, of course. This is thanking the folks who took the time to uh, help spread the word about the show on various social media platforms. It's Twitter and Facebook. I mean, that's the only ones I'm on. Uh, on Twitter, I want to thank Walt Neeland, Ed Moore, Dave Schultz, Joe Crawford, Jody Yarden, Wayne Burroughs, Neil Alejandre, uh, Pat Sampson, and the Longbox Crusade. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Jeremiah, Jesse DeYoung, Andrew Franklin, Joe Crawford, Walt Neeland, Pat Sampson, and Billy D. Now over to the patrons at patreoncom xlapsed. I want to thank Andrew Franklin, Ed Moore, Walt Neal, and Jeremiah, Jason Colby, the Scary Stuff Podcast, Jesse DeYoung, Damian, Peter McPherson, and Mark Jagger. You are all awesome, and hopefully by the time you're hearing this episode, uh, that point one episode is already up and available for you. It's it's a goodie. It's a goodie. It's going to be the first ever Marvel crossover. It's going to pit the Human Torch versus our man, the Submariner, And it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty insane. I-, I tell you what. Now, if you're not a part of the Patreon and still want to sample my first uh, toe dips into Marvel's Golden Age, um, you could check out X-Lapsed episode 250 for uh, the entire first episode of x one, which was a uh, Motion Picture Funnies, number one, and Marvel Comics, number one, the first appearances of Namor. And pretty soon I will be sharing another uh, sample episode of Point One, which, it's, a, it's an interesting one. It's one that I think will surprise a lot of folks, so look forward to that. Also more scripts, more sales analysis, and some more first-run content uh, coming very, very soon. So, um, again, that's at patreon.com slash xlapsed. Now, if anybody out there would like to get a hold of me and uh, write me a letter, short or long, um, please feel free to do so. You can find me several different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can shoot me an email over to History at gmail.com or you can call into the X-Lapsed voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, you can head to com, which still looks pretty terrible. <laughs> it's a disaster. I'm still shopping around for a... Uh, For a template, I think that's the word I'm looking for, a template. If anybody out there has any uh, suggestions, I I will take them. (laughs) Because I am... I'm not clueless. I I know what I want, I just can't really draw what it is that I want. And I certainly couldn't design what it is that I want. I I can't... I just can't picture it. I know what it is that I want. (laughs) I just can't picture it. But uh, if anybody does have any suggestions, I am all ears Speaking of which, I love hearing from people on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men. And, of course, for the complete audio archives, you can head over to chrisandreggie.podbean.com, and you can find that anywhere you find uh, any podcasts, noise, and or sound on the internet. And I hate to plug the Patreon thrice, but uh, it's kind of where I put it is right here. So, um, patreon.com slash xlapsed. It's there if you want it. It, It's also there if you don't. But uh, I think that's where we'll end it for today. I'd like to thank you all so much for spending some of your day with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya!